It's morning. It's a show. Sometimes it's about woodworking. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Hello, everybody. It's the morning show. I'm Mark. I'm Nicole. You didn't sing it. I didn't really want to. Hey, you're playing. Uh, I am. Don't play it while we're doing our thing. Uh, Hey, good morning, everybody. We're the morning show. Yes. Actually, we're Mark and Nicole. Your camera looks different. What's going on with your camera? It's a different camera. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's it's funny how it looks different. (laughs) I'm like... When it's a different camera. I didn't They changed the USB thing, and now i got to use the old one. It's it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a whole stupid thing. Uh, Anyway. Friday. It looks good, right? It's It's clear. It's your weekly reminder what day it is. I'm using the correct... So you can plan appropriately. Right, because you need those reference points (laughs) And for those of you that need to know, Memorial Day on Monday. Now you know. (laughs) Now you know, because... Yesterday, I didn't know. No. And uh, we want to thank some people who helped us out on Patreon. All right. So if you want to help the show out, like if you've been watching the show, enjoying the show, and wondering, like, how can I help those people? They look like they need help. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not monetary, just mental help. Uh, So maybe I'll send them money and that'll make them feel better. Um, We we give you cool stuff in return. We do. So just go to patreon.com slash woodwhisper. You can find out how you can support the show, but also get Mm -hmm. something in return. In fact, you owe me a signed piece of scrap wood for Landon. You're right. I got a piece of paper. Here's the thing. I'm on it, Landon. I'd like to make the signed pieces of scrap wood from projects. Yes. Right now, I don't have any project scrap. You don't have anything from the nesting table? uh Uh-uh. I don't think so. But I just started my mom's bed. Okay. So I'm going to give him a piece of walnuts. Ooh. A high-class scrap, baby. Uh, we want to thank a couple people who did just that with the whole Patreon thing. Uh, let's see. Dale Baltimore, Jonathan, James Henderson, and Richard Abbott. Dale has a cool name. Baltimore. <clears throat> That's like also Dale. the name of a... Dale Baltimore. Yeah, it's also the name of a city. Nicole. That's a... It feels like it would be like a baseball player. <laughs> yeah. Introducing... Now at bat, Dale Baltimore. <laughs> okay, so real quick, just a little shout out to my brother. My brother oh, yeah. My brother Gene. So my mom is here. We're doing the whole, you know, prepping for her trying to move out here. Uh, Gene is holding down the fort, he as is. they say, yeah. in uh, New Jersey, in my New hometown Jersey. of Trenton, New Jersey. And he's packing away. In fact, he doesn't live in Trenton, though, does he? I, I had that same conversation with my mom, and she said yes, he has a Trenton address. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. And uh, I actually got some footage of Gene mm. in the wild. Check this out. There he is. <laughs> he's like a uh, like a majestic baby deer foraging in a, a dew-covered forest and packing the orders. Packing orders. He's, Look at him. He's packing up. It looks like. What is he packing up? I don't know, but it looks like he's got a baby wolf walking through his living room, <laughs> through his Gene. dining room. So the book orders that had come in, you had pushed out. Hey, I have I have a book. Yeah. So book orders, uh, scrapers, things like that. Oh, that, I bet you that's what he's packing up, the scrapers. You may have had that packed by my stepbrother, Gene. Let yeah. me tell you about Gene. He was the coolest dude. Yeah. He, well, he is the coolest he dude. He is. But we grew up together, and... He was a lot older mm-hmm. than my my uh, hear, brother that I live with, Ian. I hear he Ian. was a bad influence on you. He was a little bit of a bad influence. <laughs> Let me tell you, my best memory of Gene is when he took us in the basement and showed us how to open Christmas gifts very carefully with a razor blade <laughs> to cut the tape line. And then you could open it, yep. look at the gift, and then yep. pack it back up. And your parents would never know. Never. My mom got pissed. She knew. It was the worst Christmas ever. We didn't get the remote control cars that we wanted. <laughs> didn't you play with the cars too? No, I don't think oh, I we did you, that. Oh, I thought you did. No, okay. I don't think we did. I don't think we went that. Look. Oh, you were planning. You were planning the we were ramps. Planning ramps and jumps in the backyard. And look, Nicole, my mom doesn't know. To, she doesn't miss a single detail, let alone someone unwrapping presents and rewrapping them. So that was that was the influence I had from yes. Gene. Oh, Gene. Gene is your older brother. He's my older brother. And uh, we used to play in a lot of bands together, mm-hmm. and he used to drive me around in what his, did he in his play, crappy guitar car. Or bass? Uh, he played guitar and sang. There you go. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Good times, man. So thank you, Gene. Thank you for doing that, and uh, thank you, Gene and Debbie, for allowing. I guess it's probably taken over your kitchen table or yeah, dining sorry. table. <laughs> so <laughs> you we experience what that. we experience. <laughs> yeah. We're sharing the love. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Old Ohio Angler says, "Wait." Didn't your mom just move to New Jersey recently? She did. She moved was, last year. It was last year. So 
quick story. Uh, my stepdad's health was failing. She wanted to get back to Jersey where both of us have uh, a decent amount of family and especially Arlie's family in mm -hmm. New Jersey. So it was a bit of a support system and an easy place for them to go where she could have some help uh, and, and they can just kind of get their, their lives together out there. Well, his health took a, a serious downturn and he passed away, what was it, like a month ago? It was um, in March. Yeah, so uh, really unfortunate. Um, but now she was out there and essentially out. I mean, she's got family there, of course. That was the, the good part of it. Um, but she was living with my uncle, yeah. and now we're trying to get her set up out here with a place of her own. So, uh, speaking of, there's a sale in the guild. <clears throat> if you missed, if you missed Mark's Instagram or what was it? We sent out an email and all that jazz. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah, put yeah. notifications out. So until Monday, I believe. Uh, sure. Monday. I don't know, the 26th? Memorial Day sale, right? Look at that. Lower thirds, Nicole. Boom! Yeah. Just because. Get Just because the is the code. So it's woodwhisperguild.com. Any project, not physical items, mm -hmm. just projects, has to be a completed project. It can't be Daryl's pre-order. Um, you get 40% off. Use that code just because. Get on it. You only have until the 26th. Someone says, uh, so Gene, colon, the beginning of Mark's delinquency. <laughs> Everybody's talking about your T-shirt, which we... We received last week. Last week. Well, we received it sooner than last week. Oh. We just showed it last week. Once Upon a Workbench. Once Upon a Workbench. Made this for us. Go check him out on Instagram. Good guy. Okay, uh, let's do some questions, Nicole. Okay. <clears throat> Somebody wants to know the name of our bands. I don't even want to say it because they were so stupid. The names of our bands were so dumb. It's embarrassing, was it, Nicole. Wasn't one of them... Uh, Something about changing. Um... Let's not talk about it. You want to know what it was? This is what happens when we think we're clever yeah. and we're really just really stupid. Yeah, you're just We kids. thought it was funny how sometimes when you would, see, you would see a poster for a band. Subject to change. You just completely ruin the punchline. Sorry. But there you go. Nicely done, Nicole. Let's move on to some questions. Uh, Luke Kearns wrote in. He says, of the projects available in the guild, which of them... Uh, whether it's your design or someone else's, would you recommend to a beginning woodworker with a limited amount of tools? Well, guild projects, for the most part, you know, they kind of go on the complex side. That said, there are some projects that are a little bit more uh, focused on fundamentals than others. I think the shaker table is the one that I always say, shaker side table, uh, is one of the best ones as a beginner woodworker. It will be a challenge, but it's one that I think really exercises skills that you're going to find very useful um, so you're going to be doing some drawers, some dovetailing, uh, some tapered legs, some mortise and tenon joints, and then a panel for the top with you know some wide bevels on it. All great things for practicing. Okay, So that's why I think the shaker table is one of the best ones. Even with a limited tool set, I think it's a great place to start, and there's a lot of foundational woodworking things in the shaker table. Also happens to be the first project we ever did in the guild. That's uh, It's a pretty early one. Shaker table. And that's yep. the one with that terrible skit about the shakers at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, <that's pretty laughs> So bad. enjoy that. Uh, a new episode of Wood Talk was released. Yeah, this yes, week. Was it yesterday? Or uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh -huh. uh, and I just, Michael Brendel said, new kids on the block playing. Oh! I love that one. That's a good one. I was a big new kids on the block fan. I went to see them in concert. Uh -huh. I had them all over my walls. I was of course you did. a big fan. Which was your favorite? Joey. Joey? Joey. Was Which one my, was Joey? He was the young one. Like the little one? Yes, the little he one. He was the Cremona in that group? Please don't go, girl. <laughs> Let's not do that. Okay. MMG wrote in. He said, I recently ordered... Uh, well, geez, this is all going to be about the guild today. Yeah. Uh, a guild project just because and was interested in getting the associated Bell Forest kit. I'm hesitant to pull the trigger because it's scary to think about someone else picking out my lumber for me. What feedback have you gotten from other guild members on the quality of these kits? Much appreciated. Oh, on Bell Forest? Mm -hmm. Well, all I can tell you is that after, gosh, almost 10 years of working more. with them, we, right? More. We still work with them. Yeah. That should tell you something. I, uh, we have never heard any bad feedback about Bell Forest that wasn't resolved. Right. right? There's customer service is great. I There's think someone put up a post in the guild Facebook group about mm -hmm. how they had a couple of bad boards. They reached out to them and, like, they sent new boards immediately. Right. Like it was, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so. No problem. Uh, oops, sorry. Hey, I just put up Ness's I message. Ness. <laughs> Accidentally. Hi, Ness. <laughs> uh, so Gazank wants to know if we were in a ween cover band. 
No, but I did actually play. I actually pulled that because I knew you had a good, good story. It's a great story. If you like Ween, uh, my band in college was playing in, um, oh shoot, I can't believe I can't remember. Uh, it's a place called John and Peter's in New Hope. And um, we did a cover of one of the Ween's uh, songs. Voodoo it was Lady. Voodoo Lady. Yeah. Uh, we were doing a cover, and the guy from Ween, one of the, I guess they're brothers, right? Um, the singer was there. And he came up on stage and sang the song with us, <laughs> and it was one of the one of the coolest moments of my life. Oh, that's and awesome! I, uh, it, it was all downhill from there, Nicole. Hey, <laughs> Spare watch. I'm included in that downhill. Sorry, punk. <laughs> okay, let's get on. Let's get uh, on topic let's here, just Nicole. Move, move along. <laughs> like the top of the show said, it'll be a little bit about woodworking. I almost cried. Okay, <laughs> um, so Adrian wants to know. Is a planar jointer combo worth the floor footprint savings? I'm looking at a used jet with a helical head on it. <sighs> okay. It, this is a hard thing for me to, to answer because you're, you want to know, is it worth it based on your situation? I don't know your situation. I can tell you that if I had a really tight space, uh, we were considering when moving to Colorado, there's a Jason sighting Hi. in the wild. Look at him drinking Thank his coffee. He brought us coffee. Thank <clears throat> yeah, he you. He did. Friday coffees. Yeah, he stayed in a 20-car line to get these. Uh, so when we were considering moving here, I didn't think I was going to be able to get the garage size that I wanted. I was fully expecting to really downsize. So I started to think about what, uh, what my options would be. And one of the first things I thought of was a joiner planer combo. It's not the most convenient thing because you got to swap them back and forth. But if floor space is at a premium, it's definitely one of the, the better bangs for the buck in terms of how you can consolidate things. So if your situation necessitates really being careful about how many floor standing tools you have, I say go for it. You know, it's definitely a good way to save space. It isn't the most convenient thing, though, and it might start to drive you crazy. Keith. So he's looking for a new Japanese saw. Does the brand matter much for these style of saws? It does. I think if you really get into it, I don't get into it. So I just buy a Japanese mm -hmm. pull saw and go, yeah. this one works. Doesn't Wilbur have a, had a, he does a whole presentation, yeah. right? Yeah, go to Giant Cypress or if you know Wilbur, um, Wilbur Pan, he's a good guy to ask questions about this. And not just because he's Asian, Nicole. Right. He studies. <laughs> well, no, he, he studies That's supposed it. to be funny. I know. He's, he's a great guy. He's very guy. well versed in um, Eastern tools philosophy. Um, he's also a very uh, smart doctor. He is. Uh, but for me... He's like, one of my favorite people. This was a gift um, from, what's his name? Mike? Local guy? Yeah, Mike. Uh, the uh, air marshal dude, mm -hmm. right? Uh, got me this beautiful um, Japanese saw, razor went, saw. I think he This is it. from Japan. Yeah. So the thing is, yeah, it's like anything else. There are brands, but my gosh, there's a ton of brands. And especially when you're buying these in the U.S., you may not necessarily be able to make sense of what's what out of those things. So honestly, I just kind of, if I'm going to buy one, I just buy one that has good reviews. But you could certainly dig deep, and Wilbur is a great resource for this stuff. He might be able to make a, a solid recommendation for you. Uh, Wilbur's <coughs> website is giantcypress.net. Oh, not .com. We were just talking about. Who has the dot com? Let's get them. I don't know. Okay, Stumptown Woodworks. Considering picking up the Rubo uh, with the sale, but haven't been able to decide I would need if I need and want all the features. It's clear I need a heavier bench as I get in the hand tools a bit more, uh, and I need vice is bad. Getting creative. Okay, so here's what he's gonna. He's asking me to do is look at the the world of vices. The, the what do you call it? Andy's Turbo Vice, the Twin Screw Vice. All you know. There's a lot of them out there. I can't possibly give you a meaningful review of them, especially since a lot of that is visual. We did a show with Andy not too long ago, right, talking about the, uh, his new Turbo Vice. Go back and see if you could find that one. My recommendation for you, because it sounds like you're at that point where there's so many different ways to accomplish these goals and you're just not sure which ones you need, a lot of a workbench's function comes from how you do your woodworking uh, and, and how you need the work to be held. The best resource I have found for giving you an overview of what you actually need in a bench and the thing that told me that a split top Rubo was the thing that I wanted in my shop was Chris Schwarz's Workbenches book. Looks a lot like that. Nicole, do you have the link for that on oh, Amazon? Yeah, I, do, I do. So this is, uh, at this point, it's, it's not a new book at all, but clearly it's, uh, there's a revised edition here. 
Chris does a fantastic job of showing you how a workbench is supposed to work. And when you read this, you'll see the different types of work holding and how it applies to what you do in the shop. And that's going to help you decide which features you need. And a lot of people might actually read that book and come away realizing all they need is a quick release vice with a couple of dogs. You don't always need everything, right? So I think that's a great read. That's my, my best recommendation. It's a fairly inexpensive way to answer questions and save yourself money because you won't go buying things you don't actually need. So check that out. <clears throat> Hold on. Um, so Jeremy, you're probably not going to get this. <laughs> he says, I, I don't think I'm live. Uh, how do I get live? If there's a live button on oh, the... Oh, that, that's actually a button. Yeah. You, it I just, thought it was just like notification. No, it's a notification that we're live, but if you click the live word... It takes you to the Next most to the stuff. volume button. So it's over to the that's live. That's awesome. So in 15 minutes, I'll get that message. And it will skip ahead to the live broadcast. <laughs> we'll see you in 15 minutes, buddy. <laughs> Richard Abbott. He says, I recently got a lot of pecan slabs from a local sawmill on the cheap. I, I was going to answer this in the after show. Uh, let's see. He says... He's got a lot of good usable wood out of it. I sorted through the wood, stacking the big stuff, picking the smaller stuff for the fire pit and the grill. My problem for the wood I pulled for the grill is that some of it is spalted. While I'm sure it would be fine for the fire pit, what do you think about using spalted pecan in the smoker? Mm -mm. I don't know. I wouldn't. I'm not going to, I don't think I can answer this. I would, um, let's defer to the chat room, anyone who has experience. Now, spalting is basically a fungus that grows in the wood. And I don't know what happens. Obviously, heat kills microorganisms. Is there enough heat? Is it getting there in time as that wood starts to smolder and create the smoke that's going to permeate the meat that you're cooking or the food that you're cooking? I don't know. And the safe answer here is don't use it. But there might be more to it. It might be more of a common sense. Yes, there's plenty of heat by the time it starts producing smoke um, that the fungus has been completely deactivated, will not go airborne and be a problem. So I'm going to say no but with the caveat that you should look into it a little bit further and maybe someone with knowledge on the topic is able to uh, chime in in the chat room. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting question, though. Mm -hmm. but I got barbecue on the brain, baby! Oh my God. You know what I almost did? I almost took a picture of that brisket. The so problem is... Ridiculous. There's really nothing more gross <laughs> yeah. than a brisket yeah. raw, yeah, right? Yeah. No one wants to see that. No. So just imagine in your head a really fatty, giant brisket that's taken up a whole shelf in the fridge because <laughs> it's a 16-pound brisket. And you know who eats brisket in this house? Yeah. These two. She You're barely eats barely. it. Barely. So I think, Jay, you want a half a brisket? <laughs> <coughs> so I'm going to invite Jay over and we're going to have a little brisket feast. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. Okay. Uh, Nick Gutterman just said, what's your favorite router bit to use in your new Milwaukee router? Milwaukee. Um, it's, I got a bit set from ML MLCS. Yes. And it's a little roundover set. Uh, so I have them, I have two of them now. I did a story on this. I've actually got two of these routers. One is outfitted with like a eighth inch roundover. And I think the other is like a quarter inch roundover. I think what I might do is make one a chamfer bit and the other the eighth inch roundover. Those are the two most common things that I do. Uh, and I think having those preloaded and ready to go with a battery powered router is a powerful convenience. What is, what is the, what is uh, the thingy? <laughs> the Milliwake? No, the bits. I was oh, gonna put a link. It's a round over bit set. Round at MLCS. over it's, bit. It comes in a little set. box. It's really cute. It's got like six bits in it. Is that mm, maybe? Cove? I don't know. Is that it? Yep, that's oh, it. Oh, that's it. You got it's it. It's so cute. Cove router bit sets. And if you're a guild member, don't forget you get ten percent off. Hold on. Let me order. say that again. Hold on. Cove isn't the right word. Well, no, that's the cove set. It oh. looks. I, I was gonna say this that doesn't one, make sense. The there you go. Bending router bit set. <clears throat> that would be beating. Beating, my, my dear. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Oh, here it is. Thanks, Jay. It's so cute. There's only two left because I use the other two. All right. Just a little bit set. MLCS's uh, thingy. Nice little round over. Nice little box router bit set. Highly recommended. Uh, okay, where am I? So Jeff Barry, he says I was looking at different Festool routers. Yes, dust collection is important to me. And looking at the different sizes, I notice you use the next to the largest size Festool router. Would the largest router uh, be good for most operations and span the gap? Or would a smaller one do just fine for most woodworking tasks? Uh, I do make some router bowls occasionally, and my current router is pushing it on power, but it's a lot smaller than even the router that I have seen you use. So for me, 
the OF1400 does everything. I, I have the OF2020, and there are some times where I'm spinning a big honking bit or I have something that's just really going to, like, uh, you know, router bowl is a good example. you got a lot of material to hog out. Um, oftentimes, I'll just do that with a Forstner bit, get the bulk out with a Forstner bit, and I'd rather make chips than dust, you know, so typically that's why I would do something like that and saving wear and tear on your bits. So, you know, for me, the OF1400 does 99% of what I want it to do. I mean, it does 100%. Sometimes I get picky and I want to use a more powerful router. Here's the thing about the 2020. Beautiful router, great design, amazing dust collection. The feature set on that thing is fantastic, but it weighs a ton. It's huge. So I think that the 2020 is actually, while it's a great router, a little bit difficult to adapt to some smaller tasks that the 1400 would do very, very nicely. And it's going to be a lot of wrist fatigue to hold that and move that thing around. So keep that in mind. That's always a factor. Big Willie's Garage, thank you for the super chat. Uh, trying uh, two-tone stain, a cornhole board set. How AJ, can you close doors and windows, please? They always do the their yard now at this time. How would you address bleeding over tape scoring the ply? Um, two-tone cornhole. Okay. Staining it? So staining plywood? Well, I, the, what you're asking depends on the, the method that you're going to be applying color. I don't know if you're painting or if you are staining. He said stain. Right, okay. But I, all right, let's assume he's just doing a, a liquid stain as opposed to, I don't know. I'm overthinking it and the window distracted me, Nicole. Sorry. I'm totally losing my, my train of thought and I'm, I'm talking nonsense Sorry, Big at this point. Uh, so yeah, the thing you got to be careful about with stain is that it is a loose liquid that can absorb into the fibers. So if you're doing a two-tone kind of stain process, it's difficult to pull off. Uh, especially if you're trying to do some kind of a design or something like that. So a lot of times when I would try to do some sort of a two-tone or try to you know do color that varies from one section to another, if you're going to do that, spraying and using a toner is a great way to do it because now you're putting the color into a finish. And especially if it's in something like lacquer, it dries very quickly. So instead of a liquid, maybe like an oil-based stain that sits on the surface, absorbs into the fibers, and then seeps under your tape, uh, this is something that you know dries on the surface and you get a nice crisp line that way. Um, so ideally, that's the way I would go. I would not really encourage you to use a hand-applied, especially oil-based stain, uh, to do a differential staining process like that. It's, it's a little bit tricky to pull off. So if you have the means to spray and go with you know some kind of a toner, that would be my favorite suggestion. William Patrick says, do a sealer <coughs> before the stain over the tape. That will help. They'll help running through the tape and give you an even coat. There we go. <clears throat> Not something I do very often, though. So um, as far as tips and tricks on something like that, chat room might be your best friend right now. BFFs. BFFs, baby. Uh, okay. Oscar Oscar says, Mark, how far down a leg should All the way down. apron tenon start on the leg? A half inch, more or less? Okay. We're talking about a table leg. Let me see if I can get where his brain is. Table leg, apron coming in. Mm. He wants to know how far down the leg should you start your tenon. The reason I think he's asking this question is because when you put that mortise at the top of a leg, you have a very short distance before it's end grain. And that little piece of end grain there can pop out pretty easily. Uh, so you sacrifice strength if you go too close. I would say at least a half inch is where I start to get comfortable. The scale of this table makes a difference too. Uh, but if we're talking like a full-size table, at least a half inch. Uh, you can also do, there's different things like haunched tenons or haunched mortise and tenon joints that you can do as well. It gets a little more complicated. But I would leave at least a half inch if possible. That works for me. There you go. Okay, okay, next one is from Paul Engel. Okay, he says, I read a letter to the editor in a woodworking magazine criticizing the people in build photos wearing wedding rings. I understand that necklaces or loose jewelry are a safety hazard, but are well-fitting watches or rings also a hazard? My wife knows how I feel about my saw stop, so if she sees me walking into the shop without my wedding band, I think she'll leave me. If she leaves me, I'm going with her. So, rings. Rings are a hazard. How much of a hazard... It's, you know, most of us can wear a ring through our whole woodworking career and never have a problem. But for the few of us that do have a problem, Ooh, boy, is it an unfortunate boy. problem. Uh, Degloving. I used to have the opinion when I didn't want to take my ring off, I would have the opinion that, look, if my hand gets close enough to a cutting tool to get caught on something, I'm already doing something wrong, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I should not have it that close. 
the reality is SHIT happens, mm-hmm. right? You put your hands in places where you, you just, it's a lapse of attention. Um, it's just an accident, and that's why they call them accidents and not on purposes. Because <laughs> they happen by accident. <laughs> you like that? You can quote me on that, yeah, Nicole. Sure. Uh, so you do want to be cautious of this. It is safer. Now, look, I even had a wedding ring in forever. So here's what happened. I got over the whole, well, I want to wear a red wedding ring. you start wearing the Kalo rings. Yeah, and Kalo um, sent me a couple of rings. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? This is actually comfortable. It serves the purpose. No, it's not my awesome wedding ring, but it suffices. It does what I want it to do. Uh, and then I got to a point where I just kind of got tired of the rubber ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, washing my hands gets a little bit annoying because you always got like moisture trapped under the ring. Uh, so I just stopped wearing it and then now I just don't wear a ring. It's safer. It's the same thing why I get criticism all the time, or at least in the past, wearing my hooded uh, jackets and having these guys hang down. You know, it is a, a bit of a risk. There's always a chance. So if you want to be smart about it, you got a saw stop, man. You spent extra money on a tool that's going to save your finger. I think it's worth the extra effort to take that ring off. If you don't want to do that, look into the rubber rings. And if Kalo's they get not caught, Kalo's not the only one. There's no, like, there's tons of since them. Since we worked with them, a the whole bunch of other ones yeah. popped up. And I don't think Kalo was even the first. I think yeah. there were other ones before yeah. them. Um, these rubber rings will break if they get caught on something with enough pressure. They just snap, uh, and they are less likely to bring your hand into a tool. Uh, and the whole degloving thing is Ugh. is disgusting. So you, you Jimmy just, Jimmy you'd Fallon. Want no part of that. Jimmy Fallon had that happen to him. So. Yeah, I think he fell right he and got fell. caught on a piece of furniture. Yeah, and he's not even a woodworker. I just think we should. No one should wear rings. Let's let's bring it to that. I'm taking level. it off. See, Jay doesn't have a ring on. So yeah, my little uh, wedding ring sits in that little turned thing mm-hmm. on the mantle, and if I ever want to wear it, it's there. There you go. So there's that. Okay, Aaron Pena. My wife and I are buying a new house and I've gotten the go-ahead from her to invest in my shop so I could build some things for the new house. One of the areas where I'm desperately lacking is clamps, so I think I'll finally be diving into the world of parallel clamps. What size and how many parallel clamps would you recommend? I know this is very dependent on what I'm planning to build. So far on the agenda is a couple of coffee tables, maybe a dining table, hall tree, some other things uh, over the next few years. Not in a hurry, so I intend to... uh, Okay, here we go. I think... The cabinet sets that they sell, they usually come with, I believe, like a, a set, a pair of 24s and a pair of 36s, or maybe 24 and 48. Can't remember what the numbers are. I think those are pretty good. It's nice to have a little bit of a range. Um, but in the beginning, I think it's best to buy the bigger clamps because bigger clamps can also clamp smaller things. Smaller clamps, it's a lot harder to clamp something bigger. You got to kind of hook them together or use a pipe clamp. Uh, so I would probably, if I were starting my collection of clamps, I'd probably start with the 48s. Look at the cabinet sets, though. See if you can get a good price on those. They usually come with these little um, supports, too, that that help hold the clamps up. I've never used those. So don't pay extra for it because you're probably never going to use those. Um, But if you can find a good deal, it's a four-piece set of clamps. You can actually get uh, a good start that way. But for me, I'd probably start about the 48-inch range. Get a few of those. That's going to cover most standard pieces of furniture that we would make. Uh, Not the large size of things, but most of the things you mentioned. And certainly can also, especially on a nice stable platform, that entire range is a viable clamping range from 48 inches down to, uh, you know, down to zero, right? And then later, as you start using them, you go, man, I could really use some longer ones. And you go buy longer ones. Or you get picky like me. And you really like those the 12-inch size, and you start stocking up on them. Every year, buy a couple more, and then eventually you have enough. I did a whole set of legs um, for my mom's bed. That you, It was a clamp wall clearer, right? Everything was uh, all clamps on deck. Uh, and I've, I'm so glad I have a bunch of those because it was easy to clamp everything up. And I'm not waiting you know, two or three days for clamps to be freed up. So I missed Alan Lilich's uh, super chat at the top of the show, and he said, The writing desk is for beginners, too. Anne's writing. writing desk? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. How mm-hmm. selfish of me. Thank you, Alan. Yeah. And actually, when we built that, Anne was just getting her shop back together. Like, I had to help her tune up the bandsaw. I had to, in fact, on the way there, I had to stop at Woodcraft to pick up a bandsaw blade. Mm-hmm. So she had just gotten her shop together. So while it's not truly like a basic tools project, it was done with a shop that wasn't even completely together yet and a, a pretty good focus on hand tools. So I think that's a great suggestion. And I did miss, I believe I missed Craig's uh, super chat at the end of last week's show. Yeah. So I just wanted to say thank you to Craig. Uh, he said to help to help you and thank you for all you do. 
So thanks, Craig. Excellent. And my pain in my neck is gone. I'm still standing right I here. <laughs> what? what do you mean? Where did I go? <laughs> the physical pain in my neck oh, is okay. gone. <laughs> Corey Hastings, there's a lot of back and forth of which is better, Turner's tape or blue tape with CA glue. You've used both methods, so which do you currently prefer? What brands have given you the best results? Jason, can you grab that roll of tape? Because I can't remember what the heck the name of that tape is. Uh, so I go back and forth. It depends on the application. Even though I did a video that was called um, Stop Using Double Stick Tape or something like that, that's what you do when you're on YouTube and you want people to watch a video. The reality is I use both methods still. Uh, double stick tape can be a pain because you get residue. It can be difficult to dislodge the pieces. Sometimes you can even snap a template if you're not careful. Um, but there are different grades and different types of double-sided tape. So what I have here that we've been using quite a bit, well, first of all, here's the traditional kind of double stick tape, Turner's tape. This comes in various grades and qualities. Sometimes it has like a cloth sort of material in it, so it's very stretchy. Other times, like this one, it's just kind of crappy. Uh, getting the backing off of these is a mixed bag. Sometimes it's easy. Other times you're there with like a razor blade trying to pull the backing off. What's it called? Turner's tape, Turner's usually. Tape. Is there a specific brand? It, that's the problem, is it's hard to find a consistent brand that works all the time. Right. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, the brand changes. Uh, this the, is the one I have. It's oh called yes. Spec Tape. Spec Tape. And this one works okay. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. But it works okay. <laughs> do you want me to add it to the store? Yeah. Or do you not want me to add it to the store? Uh, you can if you want to. Well, I mean, if it's, I, not, it's not, not your favorite, I don't want to tell people to it's buy it. It's not going to be my recommendation. Okay, well then. Right. So. Well, if you want to try it out for yourself, I'll put it to the Amazon store mm -hmm. and under Friday Live. So this one, the spec tape, it does rip by hand. Not very cleanly, but it does rip. A lot of these do not. So if you have the ones that are more like uh, clothy sort of material, I don't know how to describe it, but people who use it, you know what I'm talking about. You can't really rip it apart with your hands, so you always have to cut it, which is another thing to worry about. This stuff is stuff that we got from Austin Hardwoods here locally. This is a um, company called G-Tape, and unfortunately, they only distribute to lumber places, so Go to their website. Really? Yeah, you might find that your local lumber shop, they're all over the US. They have a statewide list. Um, they may sell this stuff. It's G-Tape, and why we like this is because it rips very easily and very cleanly. Look how straight that rip line is, right? So you don't need to cut it. You could just take little pieces, rip them off. The double stick, stick action is really good on it. The re-stick ability, you there might be is. able to get more than one use Va out of this. Vandermeer Forest Products. G-Tape. G-Tape. Yeah, just say G-Tape. Uh, the other thing is it's um, it's pretty easy to take it off when you need to, but it stays put when you want it to stay. And when you pull this off, you don't have residue. There's no residue. You might rip it and then have a smaller piece to pull off because it does rip, um, but there's no residue. So as far as double stick tape goes, this upped the game a little bit in the, the fight between blue tape CA glue and this. Um, that said, if I'm doing just the standard template routing process, mm -hmm. I probably will reach for the blue tape CA glue. It's a great way to go. Um, but this tape takes away some of the inconveniences of standard double stick tape that I've used in the past, which is why this has been showing up a lot more. We use that almost exclusively at the CNC for templates. Is it clear? Which one? Because they have a whole bunch it's of different... Blue. It's the blue one? And it's specifically double stick tape. Really? So make sure it's a double-sided tape. Which okay. One? It just says blue. Or don't don't do this now. It's going to take a while. It's difficult. <laughs> Trust me. Their site is not great. Yeah. Just look for vendors. Okay, Araya Woodworks, my good buddy, says I just finished watching the Rubo series in the guild. Watching you finish uh, the finish episode, I noticed that the dog holes were not finished. Did you end up finishing those off camera? Nah, I don't think so. I mean, I've spilled finish on my bench, so maybe some has gotten in there. <laughs> But I wouldn't worry about it, honestly. Um, but if you do want to put finish in there, get yourself a little acid brush or something like that and, and drop that in there. But it is something that is um, not going to impact anything. <clears throat> okay. Corey Pelton. Corey! How do you keep your chamfers crisp during sanding? I tend to lose a bit of that hard line that makes them look so good. I'm just using a hard sanding block, but I still feel that I'm softening them as I sand through the grits. Okay, well, here's one thing you can do, Corey. Stop sanding through the grits. Once you cut your chamfer, if you're doing it with a block plane, you pretty much can hit it with your finished grit and then you're done. If you do it with a router, you might have a little bit of chatter to deal with, but I still would not go down to a low grit. I would use my 
final grit with a hard surface sanding block like you're talking about. And that's it. You hit it once, you get rid of those lines, and then you're done. So I think overworking the edge is what's going to cause a problem for you. And lower grits are certainly going to round that over. So stop doing lower grits, only do your highest grit, and that should help. And Peter Villaluz. Excuse me. <clears throat> okay, so we've got a theme here. Trying to put a light chamfer around the board using my block plane. However, I'm getting tear out when I run the plane on the ends. Uh, do you have any recommendations on how to correct this? Also, which guild project or projects would you recommend to someone working with primarily hand tools? I think we just answered that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have answered that before, but that is my new answer, is Anne's project, uh, the writing desk. I'm looking at purchasing the bread box or the Krenov-inspired display stand. Okay, well, both of those can be done with hand tools. I didn't do that, though. So you're kind of on your own if you, if you want to venture down that path. Um, but Anne's writing desk is definitely one that uh, will service that sort of methodology a little bit better. And back to the first part of the question, the chamfers. Uh, you know, chamfering end grain, one of the ways that I do it, first of all, good, sharp blade. If it's not sharp, game over. Game over, Nicole. Uh, I also tend to skew the blade significantly. So you're going to take the block plane. you got a nice edge. You're going to run it on a slightly skewed angle. And I also try to go downhill. So if I'm working on the edge, I kind of want to have the motion like I'm going away from the board and not necessarily into the board. Um, that, especially with end grain, is going to be really helpful. And if it's super temperamental, you know, sometimes I'll actually just do repeated passes back and forth like this, not long strokes, which is what we usually do. I go with the grain and just take a pass as I go. And then sometimes I'll just come back with, like we talked about before, a hard sanding block and treat the edge with sandpaper just to finish it off because I'd rather have a slightly blunted chamfer than tear out, right? So that's how I would do it. I'm trying to answer faster today, Nicole. Good. Is it working? I don't know. We'll see. What's my total elapsed talking time? <laughs> There's a lot of questions. Okay, Corey says, a little carryover from Wood Talk on the cutting board episode. Um, what do you consider open closed grain woods and what do you usually use pour filler on? I know you pour filled Jason's oak tabletop in one of your videos. Uh, you know, open poured, open grain woods, you know, there might be some terminology specifics here that I gloss over. But generally speaking, anything that when you look at the surface and you actually see little pits in the surface, that's what I'm going to call, you know, an open poured species or an open grain that you may want to fill and you may not. So things like oak, ash, walnut, um, you know, just for the most common things. There's some exotics, of course, that will have this as well. Uh, you know, whether you fill it or not, to me, is not a matter of whether the pores are there or not. It's a matter of the finish that I'm going to use. So if I want something that's a nice, smooth finish, I don't want any possibility of crumbs getting into something, right? Like a kitchen table, that is a candidate for pore filling. If I'm doing a high gloss finish, something that's going to be, you know, a conference table or you just want something that's a perfect you know, sea of smooth, clear, gloss finish, you want to fill the pores. Because if you don't, you have those little dips and valleys in the surface and it won't look good at all with gloss. It actually looks really bad. So those are the two reasons, but it's more about final functionality and final appearance. And that's the reason why I would do a pore fill. Tim JB wants to know <coughs> if you've ever thought about releasing a smaller version of the Ruvo plans, such as maybe a six foot in length. Well, I can downsize the files to about half size if you mm -hmm. want those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a joke, Nicole. Oh, sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I'm downsizing the Rubo plans. Now okay. they were 12 inches wide. Now they're six inches wide. It's a smaller piece of paper. Oh, oh, oh. I got it. That's not a good joke. What was the question? It just wasn't know if you <laughs> are going to release a smaller version of the Rubo plans as maybe a six uh, foot in length version or a little smaller. No. Why would we do that? First, people that don't have the space for... Adapt the plan. It's not that hard. I guess it's actually one of the most common... No, it's one of the most common questions is how do you downsize the bench? Mm -hmm. Well, don't take it away from the side that has a vice because there's a lot of things that dictate that overhang. We got an overhang over here. Doesn't matter. You could take the entire overhang away if you want to. It's good to have an overhang on both sides, though, because there's functionality there. So you just take it from the base and shrink it down. Shrink um, it I honestly don't see a reason why we would need to do that. Part of our goal in the guild is to teach you how to do woodworking. And one of the most basic things in woodworking that you can do is look at a plan and resize it to your needs. <clears throat> so I think, you know, the fact that we provide the SketchUp for you mm -hmm. gives you a tool that you can go in and shrink some parts down and bring it down to a different size. So if you're just a little bit strategic about it, there would be no reason for us to do a second plan for that. Every, all the tools mm -hmm. are there for you to size it down. 
specific <coughs> to your needs. Yeah. Uh, Anthony said, starting a shop build and curious your opinion on windows, if they are worth it over over the wall space. Again, this is like the, yeah. the joint or planar combo question. It's hard for me to say. I don't know yeah. how much wall space you need. I think windows in a shop, even though in my Arizona shop, when I had the ground up option to put it, whatever I wanted in there, I went with fewer windows because I didn't want the light competing with the, the house lights and it was a video concern. That was kind of stupid because there are these things called blinds. Yeah. Did you know that? That if you want to block the light, you could just use blinds. Um, I think it's great to go in a shop space and see outside and have the sky or trees or whatever. It makes me... A nice me, breeze. <clears throat> yeah, it makes me enjoy the space more. You get more airflow. And, uh, and ultimately, it lights up the shop. Natural light is fantastic. You know, the best mm-hmm. setup, if you are into your workbench and hand tools, the best setup you could possibly have is a window and then a workbench right in front of it. That cross light on the bench just lets you see things. Um, like a raking light that you might not normally see. I don't have the advantage of that here because our shop is kind of sunken. It's like yeah, below grade. Raised. Yeah, we're, so we're on a slope. So the shop is here. There's a higher um, level on this side of the wall and a lower level on that side. <clears throat> so we're a little bit underground over here. So all my windows are really, really high. Um, but if I had to design the perfect shop, I would have a space just for hand tools right in front of a window that gets nice natural light coming from the side. So that's that's my favorite. That's my favorite, Nicole. <laughs> that's my favorite. <clears throat> Even though I've never had that. Uh, see, you got any oh, I, questions? I still got like five or six more. So Tony, Tony, we're... I'm running out of voice. Did you have a question about Tony's question? Question about his question? No, I'll get to it. Okay. So Shane Meyer says, do you recommend um, as a dedicated table saw rip blade, 20 teeth, 30 teeth, or something else? You know, I get away with 40 tooth on my table saw most times. So if I'm going to go for a dedicated rip blade, I don't think I need to go that many fewer teeth. So a 30 tooth is usually where I end up. I find with my saw that gives me, you know, plenty of... um, you know, space between the teeth and and ripping power. I think if you're just, whatever you do requires tons of ripping and you're not that concerned about the cut quality, go down to a 20 tooth. It's going to be even more aggressive. You'll be able to run the stuff through faster. Uh, But I would only say if you're doing really thick material, really hard woods, and you're batching a lot of stuff out that's very thick, that's when I would go for that 20 tooth. Okay, Tony Tang's question. Thinking about carving a cloud, maybe 12 by 12 by 24. Any suggestions? I have a turbo plane and zero carving experience. I'm thinking about using MDF since I'm going to paint it white. Mary May <clears throat> does a carving class. <clears throat> she does, but not power carving. Oh. Yeah, so he's so using he's the power- turbo plane. Oh. Look, he does, he um, does power carving. <clears throat> um, I don't know how much instruction he gets into, but Paul Jackman does a lot of power carving. Okay. Because I know... I've done power carving a time or two yeah. in the past. But nothing like... <clears throat> Artistic. Artistic. There's not an ounce of art in my body, Nicole. <laughs> yeah, it is. You are um, a band. So here's the thing, Tony. I would, I would, man, I don't want to see you power carving MDF. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you could, and there it would work, and you would get results. But MDF is just the worst, and power carving is the worst. Like the two things that put the most dust and destroy your shop with dust: power carving and MDF, and you're putting them together. Go get some cheap wood. Go get two by fours. I'd rather see you use solid wood for this <clears throat> and do that. Practice on two by fours. You gotta, you gotta spend some real time with the turbo plane, any carving tool like that. You gotta spend time understanding what's happening with the rotation of the tool, the direction that you're actually pulling the tool, and the grain, right? And the different ways that you approach it, you need to learn what the tool's gonna do. So get some two by fours, glue them together, make a panel, and do some practice. That would be my best suggestion. Don't use MDF if you could avoid it. It's probably going to, could do a number on that tool as well, dulling it a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> someone in the chat room just suggestion, uh, did a suggestion. Bastion Head does a lot of power carving. Okay. I don't know. Who, so I just looked him up. There he, are so many people that are doing great things yeah. and have like, you know, a good number of subscribers. Is and he, things on is he into fitness? Because it looks like he's into fit- fitness. <laughs> yeah, he's doing calisthenics as he's power carving. <laughs> yeah, he, he. I don't know if that's the right. Oh, there's two channels. I went to the fitness channel. Oh, Bastion Head Woodworks. <laughs> Bastion Head Woodworks. He only has 123 subscribers. All right, we'll get him some new subscribers. 
Is that is this the right guy? He looks like a power carver. Yeah, turboplane. Yep. yep. We're gonna give him some love. I'm gonna put his link to his channel. There you go. 123, and he has how many videos? 123 subs. Look, by the time we're done with him, he'll have he'll have 130. <laughs> right. That's just the power. I mean, he hasn't been. That's the power of the morning show, Nicole. Here's the other thing: he hasn't posted in over a year. Oh. So why? Don't help him. He, he's know. not serious about this. <laughs> It uh, looks like he's got some good stuff. So, that, yeah. you know, whatever resource you could find. Oh, he teaches at the woodworking shows. <clears throat> oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, so. that's good. You know, the shows that they don't do anymore? Well, they're kind of trying to figure it out virtually. Yeah. Uh, Lucas says, I'm on the verge of making my first Festool purchase. Yep, the Domino. Wondering if whether I should go for the 500 or 700 with Seneca adapters. 99% uh, of what I'll be doing is in three-quarter material, but knowing that I have the capabilities to do that in big stuff when I want to is really nice. Does the Seneca adapter make the 700 an all-around tool, or is it not that simple? Okay, I have an article on this. Go to my website. Search 500 versus 700 mm -hmm. or Festool Domino. You'll probably find it. My perspective is buy the tool that fits the form factor that you need. All right, this, this is the same argument with the routers we talked about earlier. Same argument with... Uh, the track saws, the heavier tool, if you're doing 99% of the work can be done with the smaller tool, do you really want to lug the big tool around all the time? So for me, I like the idea of going with the smaller form factor that serves your needs. If you go with the larger one, I do believe with the Seneca adapters, you can pretty much do the entire range of dominoes. It will get you more functionality. But the Festool 700 is like this. It's like a bulldog, mm -hmm. all right? The 500 is like a chihuahua. <laughs> what do you want to hold in your arms for a long time, a bulldog or a chihuahua? Actually, I think I'd rather have a bulldog. Chihuahuas are dorks. There are some, there's some nice chihuahuas. <laughs> They're jerks. <clears throat> so are bulldogs. Um, but seriously, it's about, you know, taking care of your wrists and, and you know, just having less fatigue on your hands and, and having to lift these heavier things. So, yeah, you want the most multifunctionality and you want to cover the entire range of dominoes, get the Seneca adapter. It will do a great job. A lot of people love it. I personally just don't want to have to pick the 700 up all the time on smaller work pieces. It's a big router. or not, Well, it's kind of like a router. It's a big tool. Let's put it that way. And also go read that article because I do present in a little more detail um, my opinion on why I think the 500 is probably the way you want to go, but that the Seneca adapters are a bit of a game changer in that discussion. Okay? Okay. Uh, let's see. Yo, so your question, I'm not 100% sure I understand what you're talking about. Yoso has a question about installing drawer slides and the method that I use and a method that he uses. I need a little more detail and I might need some visuals because I don't know if what you described is what I do is accurate. I don't think I do what you said I do. But I don't know, and I haven't had enough coffee yet. So we're going to push that one off. <laughs> hey, Zeus, I have a traditional marking gauge with a pin, not a blade. I try to use it at an angle and not apply too much pressure in every pass, but I get some tear out when marking across the grain. I suppose the pin is not sharp enough. How can I sharpen it? Any other advice to prevent tear out? Well, you just described, hey, Zeus, the reason why I don't have a pin-style marker. I've got one that has a knife on it because it cuts a nice clean line. Um, you know, I know you can use something like that. You can sharpen it to a really fine point, but it's round. It's, you know, tapered, conical sort of shape, right? Um, that, that's not an easy thing for me to sharpen. If I had a pin, you know what I would do? I'd sharpen a flat on it and <laughs> turn it into a knife. Um, so you might ask someone who actually uses one and gets really good results with it. That person might have some tips for you. I do not. My marking gauges are all either wheel or knife style cutters because I know how to sharpen them, and I know that it slices the grain a lot easier for me. So, <clears throat> there's that. And my last question, Mike Davies. Yay, Mike! I know you don't paint much, but I have to on the next one. Sand between paint coats, or do it like a clear finish, and only if it's gritty. First real painted project, and doing it with a brush, no sprayer, so any tips are welcome. Yeah, you know, you're right, I don't do a lot of paint, so my advice is to be, um, uh, to be suspicious of <laughs> I don't know that much about it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if I were painting with a brush, there's almost always some kind of brush strokes in the surface. If you don't want to see those, you might want to give it a light sanding. If the surface is rough, you might give it a light sanding. But if there's everything is smooth and it's looking good, I would just say continue unless the paint manufacturer recommends sanding between coats that you just move on to the next coat and it should be fine. 
um, I think that's what most people probably do. Mm. So uh, that's it for my questions, Nicole. You got any more for us? Uh, How are we do? doing on time? Oh, well, we're at the end of the we're show. We're at the end of the show. So Okay. Mike, I will do Mike Zellman's because he's a good friend. Mikey Z. What do you use when <clears throat> marking out large right angles? You just favor Colorado people, don't you? I know, Mike. It's a sort of a form of nepotism. If I, if I, if I reckon, if I'm friends with you, um, you're more so likely to get my attention. Marking out large right angles. Yeah. I have a woodpecker's uh, dealy wecker. <laughs> Hold on. Trying to get it and not lose my mic. I've got the woodpecker's 26 by 16 precision square. This is probably the one that I use the most. I also have a drywall square that probably is anything but square. But it's big, so if I need something that's close to square, I'll use that. But, you know, really massive, like 4 by 8 massive. Um, but this guy works for most things. Uh, this is really good for getting my track set up square if I want to do that. Um, but this is the biggest one that I have. The biggest accurate square that I have. Okay, are we good? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's a show. Mm-hmm. Do you want to pick um, already, a lucky winner? I already did. Who, who it am? It is Tony Tang. Tony Tang, Tony double Tang. T. Congratulations, Tony. You you finally won. Yeah. <laughs> a guild project. Good for you. <laughs> um, and don't forget, folks, we've still got that uh, just because coupon code over at the Wood Whisperer Guild. <laughs> got to use my my fancy graphics here, Nicole. Making a maker says new life goal: be Nicole's friend. Mm-hmm. If I like you... It'll work out in your favor. I bake for people that I love. She will make you gain weight. (laughs) Let me do the interpretation of these things you're doing. I sew for you. Yep. You'll have to wear funny looking pajamas. Go on. Quilts. You'll get a nice quilt. That's for sure. Um, And I'll play video games with you. There you go. So woodwhisperergill.com is where you can go. Get that just because discount. Just because. It's only till the 26th. Just because. And, and then we were like, wait, it could be a Memorial Day sale too. <laughs> it could have been a Memorial Day sale. Uh, and we probably won't do another discount or sale until winter time and the holidays. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be 40%. Mm, so probably. now's your chance to get up in there, yo. All right. Well, thanks for watching, everybody. And I guess we will catch you next time. We also should mention. After show. Got the after Ooh, show I gotta, coming up. I put the link in the after show. Uh, if you are a Patreon uh, supporter, you have access to this after show where we continue to talk nonsense. And drink more coffee. More nonsense. Hold on. Don't 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 do it just yet. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm, I like to make it easier for the <clears throat> people that do Patreon. Yeah. To get to the Patreon post. Okay. So I'm gonna put the link right now in the chat. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> good. We're good. No, no. I'm not that fast at coffee. I'll copy. play with my chai. Boom. While we wait. That's the link to the after show. Okay. There we go. We're good? All right. So thank you for watching, everybody. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. We're going to talk about Alan Wake in the after show. Thanks, Kenneth. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Okay, (laughs) we'll see you guys later. (laughs) Bye. Uh, bye Bye-bye.